you're watching Stockwatch with me, Zanati Guma. Tonight, Grant Nader from Benguela Global Fund Managers and Rikas Riedis from PSG Wealth, a hole-in-one Remsich. Join me to unpack your stock-related questions. Be sure to send those questions via SMS to 41392, email at stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Thank you so much uh, for your time, uh, gentlemen. The resources 10 mm. Complex are as upbeat as my voice uh, today. <laughs> I actually wish uh, our viewers could get insight into the conversations that we have uh, on air because I was asking Grant, I was, you know, uh, talking about the, the resources 10 complex that's flying up almost five and a half percent. And then Grant, you said something cheeky that all dead cats bounce. <laughs> Is this a dead cat bounce? Uh, look, it's 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 not clear yet, um, but it comes on the back of China cutting their bank uh, reserve requirement rates another 25 basis points. Now, that's not really a fundamental game changer. They, they, you know, there's a lot of incremental changes China's been making, tinkering around the edges, trying to stimulate the market and the economy. I don't think if that's the news that's driven this bounce, it's almost a relief rally, a bit of short covering. Uh, you can't say at all from this day, from today, that the fundamentals have changed. Mm. And that's the thing. Um, yeah. Rikas, do you think that, uh, because there is a question here on Amplats that was actually asking, um, saying that uh, there's been a sharp, uh, sharp uh, upward movement from Amplats, will it possibly come down within the next few days? So that's the thing. Could it come down or do you think that this is uh, the markets finally deciding that enough is enough, we found the bottom and now we can finally start uh, the, the upward trend of the cycle? Okay, when Amplab started going down, I had a target price of 575 Rand on this thing. Got to about 600, I think. Not saying this is the bottom, that is just how far I thought it could fall before we could possibly see some kind of bottoming happening. Obviously, today's move, not only in Amplab, but in resources, is a bit of a relief after the pounding we've had in that sector over the past number of weeks. And as Grant has said, the Chinese news probably contributed to that, there was an upgrade by a couple of major brokers on Anglo-American itself, of um, on the Anglo-American company of which Amplets form part. So I think that probably added to a bit of the positive mood. And not forgetting um, the U.S. Um, inflation and PPI numbers, which shows a very resilient um, U.S. economy. Not that um, that economy can make up for what we are losing as a result of the Chinese slowdown, but it's certainly um, helping to take some pressure off resource stocks. Um, all of that, I think, contributed to the mood today and as Grant said today, at some stage people just get out of it, you know, the market just says, this is enough, let's have a bit of a pause, have a bit of a breather, have a bit of a rally. But one day it doesn't make a trend, one day just marks an interesting point. Well, what's interesting is that uh, Kumba Iron Ore's upper trend it wasn't just today, because even on Tuesday, uh, it was uh, uh, the leader in terms of the, the top five gains on the JSC. And even today, it surged by about t- 10%. Uh, Grant, what are you making of this? Is this company specific or just the China story and that investors have just been on this trend this whole week? I think it's it's both. So some of the Chinese um, news flows also around their steel mills, which are expected... Mm-hmm to be receiving a bit more direct support from government to ramp up production somewhat. 
Having said that, there has been inventory builds in in uh, as well, which would offset that. But I think to the extent that there's an expected um, resumption or increase in activity from the steel mills, obviously Kumbh is one of their uh, suppliers to them. They supply some of the highest quality ore, and that's uh, you know important from emissions uh, requirements. So I think they're a beneficiary of the general uh, background that Rikas gave. Plus, then you add some of that specific news to the stock. All right. Well, still sticking to resources, um, there's a question here on offshore coal stocks. Coal is still going to be an energy source for some time to come. While Tingela is an obvious local choice, impediments in its export of coal, rail and ports remain a concern. Any suggestions about offshore coal stocks that are more compelling and competitive? Uh, Rikas? I don't have a specific company in mind, but if we go to geographies, the two obvious places to look at is Australia and Indonesia, um, both as a supply into China and specifically India. Um, so if, as the viewer believes, and, and, and I agree with him that, that Cole's story is far from over, although obviously it is going to become less important in years to come, but that is not um, less importantly, in a year or two, that's a decade or more be- before we really start weaning, weaning ourselves from um, from that. But your two markets or your two producers, which are the closest to um, the growing subcontinent of India and also closer to, to Europe to a certain extent, as obviously, as I said, Australia and, and um, Indonesia. Ah, all right. So uh, Rikas mentions uh, good regions there for coal. Uh, Grant, do you, would you have any suggestions on offshore coal stocks specifically? No, to be honest, I don't have a specific um, company mm. that I would name. What I would say is if the primary purpose is to get exposure to an increase in coal price, you will still benefit by buying some of our local coal miners who are Tungela, for example, is very cheap and it's a very good operator, even with the transnet constraints because the increased price goes straight to the straight to the revenue line. Mm. But having said that, they do have constraints. If coal stays here, uh, then yes, then they're going to need other things to help them along. And then the, some of the offshore stuff may look a bit better. Mm. Well, I mean, as uh, Rick, so you talk about those regions, Australia being one of them, uh, we know the uh, Tungela's uh, acquisition of an Australian mine. And there's a question here. Can we touch on Tungela's acquisition of the Australian mine? Is it a good time for them to be making acquisitions? I mean, to me, considering what the operational challenges here at home, it would seem like a good idea, but I guess also just looking at the fact that uh, they haven't been getting as much profits as they did in the, in the previous year. Rickus? Yeah, I think with any acquisition, um, or shall I say when mining companies go on, on acquisition sprees, it's always very easy after the event to say, well, they overpaid or, yeah. they, or they underpaid because it depends on what the commodity that they that they buy into that. I mean, everybody's looking at Fernwan and says, well, Lonro, what a deal. Nobody wanted to touch Lonro at that moment. So he was lucky to a certain extent. Maybe Exara is lucky as well. But as a strategy, um, nothing wrong with that. But where, as to whether it was a fair price or underpriced or overpriced when they bought the company, I think um, time will tell, given the volatility of the product itself. Ah, all right. Um, there's also an interesting question still sticking with Tungela. One last one on Tungela. Afrimat or Tungela? And this is for uh, the medium to long term. Grant? I think they give you very different things. Afrimat 
you know, being a mining and construction services business or, you know, they more diversified, a good management team. They have just taken a big bite out of this Lafarge, I believe, this uh, yeah. cement company. So there's there's actually some execution risk there that wasn't there before. It's a very good management team, but that execution risk also gives you a decent amount of upside if they get it right. So I would say that Afrimat's a more interesting play, um, and it offers some nice upside. It's got a good track record, but there's a higher risk in some respects. Tungela, on the other hand, is fundamentally dependent on the coal price. You know, there's only so much they can do to control their fortunes. So you're taking a lot more cyclical and and commodity risk in the in its purest form with Tungela. Mm. I, th- I think it's two very different decisions. If you're really not sure, buy some of both. <laughs> but um, just be a, just be aware of what you're buying. I think is the most important thing. Yeah, that's the thing. It's quite an interesting comparison because there are pros and cons for both of them. Uh, Rikas, which one would you lean more towards here, Afrimat or Tungela? Personally, that's because my of my own feeling towards risk. I, I go for Afrimat because of diversification. But um, as Grant has said, buying buying Tungela is basically a 50-50. You know, there's nothing wrong with the operations. We all know what's happening with Transnet. But it's a 50-50 depending on where the gold price is going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just go with everything else that um, Grant has said in that respect. Uh, all right. Uh, well, an interesting comparison here as well. Uh, I feel like you're <laughs> comparing lamb versus apple. Um, <laughs> Sassel or ShopRite? Or... Sassel or ShopRite. Grant? <laughs> I'll be honest with you, I, I don't think it should be an either or in a, in a, in a diversified portfolio. I think they both have a place. Yeah. Sassel, similarly to Tongela, has got so many variables in its revenue stream that it doesn't control. The RAND, the petrol mm-hmm. price, the crack spreads, spreads, the chemical prices in Europe. Sassel's got so many moving parts. They're under a lot of pressure from various commissions, regulatory bodies, fines. Operationally, they're struggling. Sassel needs things to work for it that it doesn't control. It just That's just the most important thing to understand. It often looks cheap. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't when it looks cheap. You need a view on the on those other factors, RAND, oil, etc. ShopRite is a fundamentally fantastic business. It's not cheap. It trades at a quality premium, but they have been eating market share across the entire market. A fantastic management team doing really good things. And as a long-term investor, I don't think you can go wrong. It's a very a much more defensive uh, type of play and non-cyclical relative to Cecil. So the two are very different. Once again, you need to decide what you're looking for and maybe a bit of both if you want to get some real upside kick if you get things right on the cyclicality side. Yeah. So ShopRite is the steady eddy that uh, isn't cheap. And then ShopRite, sometimes, I mean, uh, Cecil, uh, can be seen as cheap, but it is cyclical. But I feel like in those good times, the times are really good, that you can get really good returns. Rikas, what would you go for here? Yeah, yeah well, I think, I think Grant has touched on everything, but if I can highlight one specific thing, it's the quality of the company. If you take a look at ShopRite, how well it's done, um, despite how bad the economy is, it points to good management. Then you take a look at the oil price and you look how badly Cecil has done despite the higher yeah. oil price. That points to management. Um, ShopRite's a better quality company at the moment. Cecil gets their operations um, 
more engineered towards engineers rather than financial managers. And I'm in like a shot as far as that's what's concerned. Mm, all right. Uh, very interesting questions that we have here today. Um, with regards to income and dividends, are there specific dividend-paying stocks or income-generating investments that are suitable for retail investors seeking regular income? Rikas, starting with you. Yeah, we, we had a chat um, about that just before we went on camera again. And, mm. and Grant quite correctly said it depends on when you need the income. And if it's regular income and it's on a monthly basis, then one then one has to look at a money market type of investment, whether it be a monthly fixed or three monthly fixed. And we're in the fortunate position that um, rates are particularly well suited for that kind of income at the moment. Um, but um, I don't want to steal all of Grant's ideas. Let yeah. Him, let <laughs> all right. Yeah, Grant. Um, I mean, also I brought up uh, uh, retail retail bonds. Uh, yeah. What would you say about that on a regular basis? Yeah, I think because um, because made the good point, and the key question is how regularly do you need the income stream? If it is monthly, you need to look at the money market funds which offer, you know, very short-term liquidity if you need to draw your cash back out. Mm. Or you look at the government bonds, but they do tie your capital up for for a minimum period of time. So that's something to be aware of, but you get that regular income stream. Uh, I think there's nothing wrong with fixing rates for a year or two at the moment. I don't see the, the hiking cycle um, going much higher from here. Mm. So you could benefit from that, actually. Your timing could be quite good. If you don't mind receiving your income every six months, you could look at something like some of the property stocks that are paying 10% plus dividend yields and you've got the potential for capital growth in the future as well to to enhance your returns. But that's a slightly different risk profile and depending on what your requirements are. Uh, all right. Um, another interesting uh, second part of that question, what are the market conditions and how might they uh, impact retail investors like me? But I think we do know the market conditions, but are there any specific market conditions that retail investors uh, particularly need to be looking out for, Rikas? Um Well, any... <laughs> As far as the local market is concerned, mm-hmm. any change in any real change in um, government policy on a number of things. In other words, a little bit of good news can have a huge influence on um, domestic focus companies, which have been beaten down for obvious reasons because the mm-hmm. outlook is so dim. But nevertheless, uh, those that have survived are trading at um, very interesting levels, but but we need a bit of good news. Um, off, um, offshore factors that can influence us is any kind of slowdown in, in the uh, US economy, which um, a lot of people have been bleeding about for the past 9, 12 months now. It's simply not happening, but that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So that's something to be aware of. Mm. Um, I think those are the two main things that I can think of right now. Uh, all right. Uh, Grant, I won't be asking you that same question, but I'm giving you another very interesting question. How does tax work for a South African investor who is unemployed? Say I bought uh, shares for 50,000 and now the value of my holding has increased to 100,000 rand. When I take out my 50,000 rand, do I still pay tax? I don't receive any other income, by the way. Grant. So I'm no tax expert, but what I know of tax is that 
The first thing to know is that if it's classified as income or capital gains is important. So if you're regularly buying and selling and you, you will be, the SARS will deem you a trader or an, uh, rather than an investor. If you're an investor and they have certain criteria around holding periods and, and three years of holding, etc., you'll be taxed at your capital gains rate. If you're a trader or you seem to be too active and they call it trading income, it'll be seen as income the same as a, a, an, any other kind of income would be. And then you'd be taxed at the marginal rate. If you have no other income and your only income is 50000 that actually falls below the income tax threshold as I understand it. So you actually wouldn't be taxed on it even though you must declare it as income. Uh, it so seems- it depends on your total pot of income at the end of the year uh, will will determine at what level you're taxed and where you are in the tax brackets in the scale. Uh, so the classification here is very important. Uh, Rick, is anything to add on that? Yeah, as, again, um, speaking earlier with, with Grant, um, what one must be aware of is if um, SARS decides that you are deriving a regular income from trading and taxes you um, as such. It's very difficult um, in future years to say, no, no, hang five, I've stopped trading, now it's capital gains. They'll they'll, they'll just laugh at you, basically. Mm. So once they tax you in a certain way, they'll probably keep on doing it. So you might be unemployed right now, but if you're employed you know, next year and you're still making, and all of a sudden you're moving to a taxable income tax bracket, then... Um, they will tax you the, uh, the the profit you make on share trading as income as well. Yeah, all right. Sticking with you, uh, Rikas, uh, what's your take on the investment case for MetAir following today's results? I actually looked at them and uh, there was growth in revenue, in uh, profit, until you got to that bottom line where it was down 9%. I don't know. It didn't, mm. it didn't look too bad uh, for me, but I mean, this is a company that ex- experienced uh, quite significant pain recently. It didn't look too bad, but the markets um, punished that share price by about 4%. Was I missing yeah. something? Well, okay. Technicals first. Growth-wise, downside to about 13 rand 50 from current levels. Mm. Pretty easy one to read. The big problem is um, the operation in Turkey where they got not by three things. They've lost Russia as an as a export market. They are under the the operational difficulty considering both Turkish inflation and interest rates, which are astronomical. And third, their production itself was affected by the uh, earthquakes we had in Turkey that um, affected their um, plants. So um, the top line looked good nice revenue increase and so forth, but um, the cost of generating that income just wiped out um, mm. all the gains that one, that one got from revenue. Uh, all right. So it's going to be quite interesting to see uh, what comes out in their next results and how they maybe try and work to turn the situation around there operationally. Uh, transaction capital, Grant, is it possible that transaction capital goes to zero? Is there any future left for this counter? Grant? Look, in the stock markets, if you do, if you do, if you're in the market as long as we, as we've been, Rickus and myself, uh, anything's possible. Zero is a possibility. You can still lose 100% of your money if you buy it here. I'm not sure this business does go to naught. There are there are some other segments in the, in transaction capital that are being pulled down by this SA taxi. 
uh, scenario and this debacle that's playing out. The balance sheet has been isolated. They are working hard to repair that. I mean, re- uh, I think We Buy Cars is fundamentally a real business. The Nutton and Gomo, other businesses they have are real businesses. Mm. They are being heavily clouded and, and detracted from by, by this fallout from SA Taxi. And I, I don't think it goes to naught, but it's not one that appeals to me at this stage. There's a lot of repair work that needs to be done. It is a high-risk investment at this stage. Mm. And it's not clear what the true NAV of this business is and what the outlook is. So it's one that I would stay away from. Uh, and I think it's for the highly speculative uh, investor that wants to maybe have a small punt. Don't go and put a lot of money into it. That would be my call. Uh, your take, Rikas, because there are some good businesses uh, in that stable. Of course, mm-hmm. now they're just really having trouble with the taxi business, even though, of course, we did see We Buy Cars also not doing uh, so well this time around. Um, yeah. Do you think transaction capital t- could go to zero or it still has a future? Um, again, going to echo Grant, yeah, anything can happen, in it, and and it normally does, unfortunately. Yes. Um, there is a case to be made for value in transaction capital, valuing it. I mean, if kind of fundamental metric, I think, is very – well, no, it's very easy, but you're probably going to be wrong um, and badly wrong because it's either – or either they're, they're going to have one heck of a recovery or or not. Mm. In that kind of scenario, I, I do what – yeah. I take a look at a graph, and my next stop there is somewhere between four and forty and four and fifty. And at that mm. point, I'll um, I'll take a look at it again. But for the moment, not touching it. Ah, well. Before we go to your stock picks, I actually want to go back to Met Air, sticking with you, Rikas, because as much as uh, you did highlight the uh, operational issues, but in terms of the investment, would you actually say it is an investment, a good investment case, or not? They make batteries, and they don't make, um, um, you know, lithium oxide and 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 that kind of um, battery. They, you know, it's car batteries. They they are moving into into the renewable space as well. But they, but they don't invent. They don't engineer. They assemble. Mm. Are there other um, similar type of companies globally that is not struggling with? Turkey, which is a big part of their business. If they are, rather go and take a look. Take a look at them because I don't know how they are going to solve Turkey. Ah. If Turkey can't solve it, can't solve themselves. And at the moment, um, considering who's currently in charge, that's going, that's not going to happen tomorrow. That might have even happened during the next election cycle and goodness knows what that result will be. So for the moment, um, although some of the operations, you know, the Romania business, the investment case can be made, but there are factors beyond the company's control mm. unless they disinvest, mm. um, which, which which doesn't interest me at the moment. Uh, all right. Well, let's get to your stock picks. Uh, Grant, uh, coming to you first, what will it be? Um, so, yeah, my, my pick tonight is Mondi. I think it's a very good business with a, a good management team that has been held back by the fallout in, from the Russia-Ukraine war. They're still holding on to quite a big business there that they're trying to sell, sitting on their balance sheet at around 850-odd million. I think even if they, even if you write that down to a quarter of that or even almost zero, I think there's still value in the stock. They've got a good track record of investing capital in new operations and ex- capital, capital expansion with attractive returns on investment historically over long periods of time. They've positioned themselves in good niches in terms of where sustainable packaging 
uh, and value-added packaging is going globally. 60 to 70% of the exposure is in Europe. So I think you're getting it at a discount that is partly because of this noise around Russia. Mm. I think it's a good company. It might be cyclical. You might have to be patient. But we see decent uh, upside in the valuation here. And it's a, it's a company I would, I would like. Yeah, I would well, own. Uh, all right. Uh, Rikas, which company do you like at the moment? Um, Sun International. I, I picked this in July last year, just before the results, taking a bit of a chance. The results came out last year. Very good. They fell to historic price earnings of 12. Uh, results out two, three days ago. They back to historic price earnings of 12. Um, operationally doing very well. Um, considering again load shedding and then everything that goes with it shows the management team that knows what they're doing some optionality in growing their market share in gambling and their um, tourism business is cooking and positive outlook for the rest of the year so not expensive pretty decent dividend yield lovely price graph all right well thank you so much for your time gents really appreciate it uh, to our viewers uh, more questions but uh, stockwatch is back again uh, tomorrow at 1 p.m that's it for stockwatch this evening thanks to our guests grant nader from benguela global fund managers and rikas Redes from psg wealth hole in one Reimsich.